Uh, well, again, I just want to welcome you. Uh, as we were praying this morning as a staff and as volunteers, uh, we joked and said, well, this morning it's going to be church just for us. Uh, but for those of you that were brave to come out New Year's Eve morning, uh, so glad that you're here. And I really do believe that God has a word to say uh, to all of us. And so what I want to do is I want to ask you a question. As 2018 approaches, I want to ask you just a quick question. Do you have an idea of what you want this year to look like? In other words, do you have a vision for your life? And that's the direction that we're going this morning is this idea of vision. Do you have a vision for your own life? As, and as we head up to the new year, 2018, uh, it's an opportunity for us to think and evaluate and see what our life is all about and what we want our life to be. So the question is, do you have an idea of what you want your life to look like in 2018? Do you have a vision for your own life? Do you have a vision for your family? Do you have a vision for your relationships, your friendships? Do you have a vision for your job? Do you have a vision for your money, your finances, your health? Do you have a vision for what you want your life to look like in relationship with God? And I would say many of us, we may think we do, but we actually don't. And the question is, well, what is this idea of vision? What does it look like to have vision? What is vision? So vision is simply, and this is, you guys might have a different understanding or a different definition, but for me, it's this image or a desire or an idea that connects our present with our future. Vision is simply an idea or a desire or a longing that connects our right now, our present to our future, the way in the, in the direction that we want to go, who we want to be. And this is not to be mistaken for, for a dream. See, when I say, do, do you have a vision? A lot of us will say, yes, I have a vision. When the reality is we don't all have vision, we have a dream. See, I believe that everyone has dreams or have had dreams, but not everyone has vision. I mean, think about your, your childhood growing up. We've all had dreams of what we wanted to be when we grew up. Some of us, we want to be astronauts. Maybe it's the president. Maybe it's a doctor, a teacher, a nurse, an engineer. We've all had dreams of wanting to be something, especially when we were younger. Uh, a few years ago, I went to my parents' house, uh, and I've been back since, uh, but a few years ago, I went to my parents' house, and I was digging through some old things that my mom just collects uh, and it's old projects. Uh, and this was me, I think, well, I was probably late elementary, maybe sixth or seventh grade. Uh, and it was this project of what do you want to be when you grow up kind of assignment. And, and I looked into that folder, and I had totally forgotten what I wrote, uh, but I'm so glad that my mom saved it. Uh, I wanted to be a bodyguard. I wanted to be a bodyguard, uh, and, and I remember it distinctively because it was right after I watched the movie, The Bodyguard, and maybe I'm dating myself a bit, it was with Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner, uh, called The Bodyguard. I had a dream when I was in sixth grade that when I grow up, I wanted to be a bodyguard. I had a similar project uh, when I was in high school. Uh, except for this was, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, but this was a little bit more intense than my assignment in sixth grade, where I had to go to that job place of 
career and job shadow. And while, again, while the rest of my friends, they went to the fire station, to the police station, to the hospital, to some tech company, you know, to job shadow of what they wanted to be when they grew up, I went to the Honda dealership of Linwood because I wanted to be a car salesman. Uh, and that was my whole project my senior year uh, of high school. So, you know, everybody has dreams, and you probably have had dreams growing up. You probably have dreams right now. Uh, the problem is we, we have dreams thinking they're a vision for what we want our lives to look like. And the problem and the biggest difference between a vision and a dream is the answer to do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? If you have a plan, you have a vision. If there's no plan, if you haven't sat down to be very intentional about this vision of this direction, you don't have a vision, you have a dream. And for those of you that are familiar with Helen Keller, an activist and author who was actually blind, says, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. The only thing worse than being blind, she says, as a blind person, is having sight but no vision. And so I want to share a few things uh, as we head into 2018 about vision. What is, what is required for vision according to our favorite passage uh, in First Chronicles? Uh, first of all, we have to understand that no one really knows who wrote Chronicles. It's this book in the Old Testament, and, and just like we know the word chronicle, it's just, it's a history book, essentially, of Israel's history. And so whoever the writer was had this task of saying, okay, uh, for all of Israel in your history, I want you to write it down uh, so we all have record of it. So it starts off with the genealogy, and then it goes to essentially the life of David, and then Second Chronicles and different kings. And so essentially this author's main task is write down uh, Israel's history so we all know what Israel's history was all about. And, and the biggest part is, uh, or was, uh, this idea of building the temple for God. And so that's the passage that we read was about David having this vision, this plan for building God's temple uh, in, in ancient Israel. And, and what we see is that this was a very big deal because the first temple, it was torn down and uh, the people were uh, in exile. They were removed to Babylon. Uh, they were in captivity. They were in slavery. Uh, and then in 600 BC, they were told that they can come back down from Babylon, back down to the promised land to rebuild the temple. And that's what David's David's vision was. David's vision was, I get a chance to rebuild this temple. I'm going to have a plan. I have a vision. Here's what it's going to look like. And then suddenly his, his dream or his vision takes a, a slight left turn where God says, actually, David, I have different plans for you. You're actually not going to rebuild the temple. I know that you've had all these grand plans and measurements of, of the, all the things that we'll need and all the tools, uh, and I know that's what you wanted to do with your life, but guess what? You are not going to do it. Your son is going to do it. 
It says, yet, here's what David says, yet the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me for my whole family, even though he shed blood. Because here's what God said, you know what, you are not going to rebuild the temple. You're not going to rebuild it because your hands are dirty. You are a warrior and you've shed blood. And so he says, but God said to me, you are not to build a house for my name. See, what happened was David's plans changed. His vision changed. And so the first thing I want us to understand about vision is that vision requires discovery. Vision requires discovery. And so let me ask you this. When was the last time we prayed or we asked God, God, what do you want for my life? See, I know it's easy for us to have our own plans. Like, God, here's, here's what I'm going to do. God, here's what I enjoy. God, here's what I want and how I want my life to pan out. I mean, it's the story of David when he was tasked to rebuild this temple. He says, here's what I'm going to do. Here's the plan that I have. Here's everything that I need to make it happen. And God steps in and says, you know what? I actually have different plans for you. See, a lot of us, we don't want to hear that because we, have, we are laser-focused. And we're like, from point A to point B, that's where we're going to go, that's what we're going to do, and nothing can stop me. The problem is, yes, yeah, something can stop you. A, God can stop you, or B, that is not the best for your life. And so the question is, as we go into 2018, are you willing to pray and ask God, God, put myself aside, my own desires aside, my own selfishness aside for a lot of us, including myself, and God, what do you want from my life? And I promise you, the Spirit will speak to us, and God will guide us, and God will speak uh, and, and point us to a direction that God wants us to. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know a lot of us know this verse, but it says, surely I know the plans I have for you is what God says. It says, surely, it says, God says, obviously, no duh, I sh- surely know the plans that I have for you. And it's plans to make you prosper, not to harm you, is what God says. And what we have to know is this whole idea of to know is this Hebrew word, yada. Okay? So the reason why that's important, the reason why I share the original language is because it has a different meaning than us in English. For us, to know is like, hey, I know people. You know, like, oh, I, you know, I have X amount of friends on Facebook, right? We all do. We, we know them, but do we actually know them? Probably not, not all of them. And, and so the significance of this word yada, to know, is it inquires it, it, it this level of intimacy, and even all over the scripture in the Old Testament, yada even has a different context, a sexual connotation because it elevates its level of intimacy. What God is saying, I know you. I know what's best for you. I've wired you. I've created you. I know what brings you joy. I know what brings you fulfillment. And here's the kicker. Yada, I know you better than you even know yourself. I know you better than even the fact of you knowing yourself. And so what God is saying, yes, I created you. Yeah, I know you intimately and so deeply. I love you and I have plans for you that will make you prosper. Will you listen to me? Will you come to me? Will you let me guide you? And the problem is, for a lot of us, whether we're Christians or not, we don't say this out loud, but we say no. 
We say, God, I have my own plans, and I want you to support that. You know, again, when we talked about Advent, what we look for, uh, you know, this whole idea of Advent was a Messiah is coming to us. Messiah has been born to us. And we rarely want a Messiah, to be honest with you. We don't want a Messiah. We want a magician. And so for our lives, like, God, here's my checklist of the things I want. Here's a checklist of here's the things I want my future to plan out. Here you go. I'm going to submit it to you. God, make it happen. Thank you. And God is saying, it doesn't work like that. Not only doesn't it work like that, oftentimes the things we ask for are the things that aren't best for us, but we don't know that. And so do we ask God, God, what do you want? Because vision requires discovery. It's not manufactured. It's not manufactured. God knows us better than we know ourselves. God created us. God planted certain desires in our hearts, certain gifts, certain passions. And so surely it says, surely God knows the plans. You know, when I was in college, I was exploring what I wanted to do with my vocation. Part of me was, yeah, I want to go into ministry. But if other part of me is like, well, what does it look like to be successful? And so my last year of college, I was uh, volunteering with Young Life at Shoreline, uh, and I loved it. I love, I love Young Life. I love what they're about. And I was volunteering as a Young Life leader, leading small groups and, you know, leading the club. At the same time, while I was in college, at the same time, I was uh, interning at a big financial firm downtown. So I remember I was juggling, you know, things back and forth. I was pretty busy. And I came to realize, uh, I, need to, I need to pick something. This is too much. Uh, and a part of my heart, or a lot of my heart, was leaning towards going to the financial firm. I was actually going to quit Young Life and go to this financial firm because I thought, all right, here's the way I want my life to pan out. I'm going to join this firm. Uh, after I graduate, I'm going to get a job, and, and then I'm going to make X amount of money. You know, even at the time, I had a mentor that was pouring into me uh, who thought highly of me, and I thought, okay, this is where my life is going to just, just coast. For some reason, God was kind of tugging at my heart with, with, with something else. And here I was as an intern, uh, a paid intern, and I was making enough to even support myself, uh, and here I am in my other side of my life where I'm volunteering at uh, Young Life for free. In fact, not even free. I was paying for students' coffee and lunches and, uh, and all those things. And I loved it. And I came to a, a point where I was like, all right, I need to decide. What do I want to do? And, and a big part of me said, all right, this is the direction I'm going to go. I'm going to go towards the financial. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. We need people in that industry. Uh, but I can ignore, I cannot ignore this whisper, this tug that God was saying, you, are, you belong with Young Life. You belong to me doing ministry. And, and, and for a while, I didn't even want to hear that. I, I wanted to go this direction because I knew the way I wanted my life to pan out. I wanted to live comfortably, to have a nice car, to live in a big whatever it is. That was the route that was going to get me there. Going into ministry, not so much. Going into this industry, the financial world, yeah, most likely. And yet, I couldn't ignore the tug, the whisper that God was pulling me towards. When I finally asked, God, what do you want? What do you want? And maybe in 2018, as we think about a vision 
for our lives. We look beyond ourselves and our own manufactured desires and outcomes, and we say, God, I surrender to you. What do you want for me? What do you want for us as a family, as a church? In Proverbs 29, it says, where there is no vision, the people get out of control, but whoever obeys instruction is happy. Vision requires a discovery. May we discover what God wants in our lives. But here's the deal, number two, vision requires a plan. Vision requires a plan. In, in chapter 28, verse uh, 19, it says, all this in writing. So this is David talking about how he's going to build the temple. Here's him saying, all right, this is my plan. This is my vision for what it should look like. And verse 19 says, all of this in writing at the Lord's direction, he made clear to me the plan of all the works. He says, I wrote it down. And then later on he says, and then I had to switch directions and I had to write down what God was calling me to do. Now again, it seems like even in the ancient Israel history that something about writing it down makes it very special. Vision requires a plan. And oftentimes it requires writing it down, making it clear, developing a pathway to get there. Uh, a lot of you know that know me well know that I am fairly uh, competitive, uh, probably to a point where it's a bit unhealthy. I'm working on it. Uh, and a couple of years ago, we had a Staff Bethany, all Staff Bethany scavenger hunt. And this was like not just going around the church type of scavenger hunt. This was like we met at a building, and this was, you know, all of Bethany. So there was probably like 50 to 60 people. Uh, and we got a list of things that we need to, we, we grouped up, uh, and there was a list of things that we need to go to and take pictures in front of. Uh, again, this was intense. I mean, we had to get into a car, and we had to drive all over the city for the scavenger hunt. And we had X amount of time. Uh, and then we had to come back. And the first team, you know, to get all the, all the pictures and the points wins. Uh, and so I didn't care about what we won. I just wanted to win. Uh, and so we all started off in the same building. And I remember uh, Kendi, our boss, gave us a 3 to one countdown. And every group just ran out. And I was like, all right. You know, we didn't really establish a leader, but I just said, all right, let's grab this paper, let's go. Uh, and Allison, former uh, staff member for Bethany, stops the group and says, we can't just go. And I was like, what are you talking about? We have to go. Every group has gone, and we're left here, literally in this big building downtown. We were by ourselves. And, we're, and I was thinking, we're losing time. We're losing precious, valuable time. All the other groups are checking off their pictures, and they're going to win. And, and she says, no, we, we have to devise a plan. And I was like, exactly, the plan is go, let's go. And what she did was she took the piece of paper and she, you know, made a list of, okay, kind of create a little map. Okay, first we're going to go here, then we're going to go there. And you can imagine, I'm sitting here, I'm frustrated. And I'm like, all right, it's, about, it's been about 10 minutes and we're losing ground and everyone's going to win. Except we're going to come in last place. And she was saying, all right, well, it's going to take seven minutes to get here, and then this is worth more points, so we should go here first in case we ran out of time, uh, and, and, you know, devise this incredible plan of which places we're going to go, was very intentional about the directions, 
understood the outcome, what the desired outcome was going to be, moved us backwards, and finally, even though I was frustrated, I submitted to it, and then at the end of the day, we got there, all the, tally, all the points were tallied, and guess what? We won. We won. We won a gift certificate to Woodland's Pizza, which was awesome. But the point is this. The point is vision requires a plan. And implementation and execution of vision is never, ever accidental. It isn't. It requires a plan. Do you have a plan? Yes, you may want to write it down, as David did. Uh, You may want to have a discussion with your loved ones, with your friends, with your accountability. The point is, do you have a plan? And here's the deal about plan. The plans sometimes, oftentimes change, and you know that. The word uh, where it says, to know, yada, I know the plans. The word plan is hashav. It's a Hebrew word, hashav. And the reason why I bring that up is because the definition of plan in Hebrew uh, means imputing or creating something new. Thank you. Something new. Uh, often, well, all the time, when the word plan, hashav, is written down in the Bible, it means not just plan, but it means a new plan. Oftentimes, God is creating something new within us. Maybe a change of direction. Maybe we have a plan. Maybe we understood that God gave us a plan, a vision, in the direction we're being obedient and faithful, and yet God changes that plan. Sometimes that happens. Maybe there's a plan that we know, but you know what? Oftentimes, a lot of us, we think we can't do it. We think we have strikes against us. Oftentimes, we make certain mistakes or have gone the wrong direction or have been disobedient to God's plan and vision and direction for our lives that we have convinced ourselves that we have to settle for second best or third best or fourth best. But that's what's incredible about about our God. God's a big God that transcends all understanding. And and though we may have had a direction and a vision of where we wanted to go, and though we may have fallen off track, it does not mean that we have to settle for second best. We are not at a deficit in the kingdom and the economics of God. God steps in and says, through my redemption, through my cross, I take you a different direction. I give you different outcomes. I give you a different future that may not be what you plan to be, but through my grace, it will still be good, be beautiful, and it won't be second best. And this is probably where I veer from my, uh, so my background, I'm Reformed background, I ordained Presbyterian, uh, but this is probably where I veer from my Calvinist friends is I, I don't know, and this is, you're entitled to your own theology, I don't know that God has one blueprint plan for all of us. I don't. I do believe that God has one purpose for all of us, to be molded into God's own image. But I don't know that God has that one blueprint, A to B to C, plan for our lives. Hashav, imputing something new, creating something new. And again, sometimes we fall off track. We confess, we repent, and we seek God's vision for us, for realignment. And God says, okay, here, here's what's best now. 
For those of you that have more than one child, certainly you don't love the first one more because he or she was born first. Don't answer that. Vision requires a plan. And sometimes those plans change. But the point is, are we seeking God and what that plan is? And I love what even this author, psycho author, his name is Simon Sinek. He says, when we plan, when we create vision, he says, it's important for us to start off with your why. What's your why? When you, when you vision, when you pray, when you seek God, do you have a why? And why you are visioning, if that's the principle of what you're visioning, envisioning. I have friends, I have some friends, believe it or not. Uh, I have some friends who have vision about their fitness. You know, I, you know, I have my time at my church, I have my time at the gym, I have you know, time with my family uh, and my friends. And I have friends uh, that go to the gym uh, exactly at the same time, X amount of time, X amount of hours. They have their diet just nailed down where they bring Tupperware to dinner parties or get-togethers. They know exactly how much they're eating in terms of calories and not even just the X amount of calories, but, but what, what kind of calories, like whether it's fats or carbohydrates or, or, or protein, uh, because they understand their why for their vision. They start with the end in mind. I want to be an elite athlete. I want to be able to lift this. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to just play with my children for five minutes. I want to be able to lose weight. I want to be able to get healthy, whatever it is. People with vision that have a plan start with the end and work their way back. And if you start with your why, then you hold on tight to it. It's hard to veer off because that why is more important than anything else. So some practical things as we uh, think about vision starting at the end and moving back is, again, as David did, write it down. Do you have a vision? Do you have a plan? Write it down. Secondly, have intentional conversations around it with your family, with your friends, and pray with God. So number one is write it down. Number two, have intentional conversations around your vision. Three, I would say create categories. What are some categories that you want to be very intentional about? Maybe in 2018, you want to be very intentional about your faith. So you want to create a plan to see what you and envision what your faith relationship, your faith journey for 2018 is going to look like. Maybe it's for your health, your finances, your job. Create categories. Number four, uh, I don't have a better word for this, but I, I wrote create cycles. And so again, kind of going back into the fitness illustration is when there's a fitness program that we want to get on, there's, there's various cycles. There's this macro cycle where we look at the big picture of what we want to do, what we want to uh, complete, what, we, what our goals are. And then there's mesocycles, which is kind of in between. So if we have a year-long plan, then we have this mesocycle of, you know, a, a couple months at a time plan. And then we have the microcycle, which is like a week or two at a time. So for us, with vision that requires a plan, write it down. 
Have intentional conversations about it with your family, with your friends. Create categories, create cycles. What is your end goal? What do you want it to look like six months in, eight months in, two months in? And lastly, evaluate. Evaluate your vision for your life. Is it happening? Are you on track? Have you fallen off? Do you need a new plan? Do you need to see God? Whatever it is, evaluate. But it's important that we have a plan for our vision. Number three, and I would say this is one of the most important part, is that vision requires, requires community. See, vision alone can be blinding, whereas vision with community can be eye-opening. I mean, 1 Chronicles chapter 17, it says, After David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. Nathan replied to David, Whatever you have in mind, do it, for God is with you. But that night the word to God came to Nathan, saying, Go tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. See, at first, here's David. Let me set up what it looks like. David is saying, Nathan, buddy, friend, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a, a house for the Lord. And he understood his why. He said, here I am as a king. I'm living in a huge palace, yet my God doesn't have anything, so I'm going to build him a temple. And here's his buddy, Nathan, saying, yes, go for it. That sounds awesome. Do it. You know, encouraging him, rah, rah. And then Nathan that night gets this, you know, gets this vision or this understanding from God where God says, hey, Nathan, go tell David that actually that's not the way it's going to happen. Tell him not to do it. And so here's David expressing his vision and his plan for what his life is going to look like to his community, to his friend Nathan. And Nathan says, you know what? I know I said that was a good idea, but I retract. That's a bad idea. Don't do it. God has told me, not to, God has told me to tell you to not to go through with it. And I know that when we talk about vision and direction, we have huge plans and we should. Don't sell ourselves short. But we should also have community, friends that we trust and that we love that are honest with us to be able to tell us that's a bad idea. Don't do that. I meet with a group of friends every month, two of them. Uh, and we talk about, you know, vision, we talk about what our lives, you know, we talk about ministry, we talk about relationships, whatever it is. Uh, and I have a friend, a good friend of mine, he always, whenever he wants to intervene and say, Prentice, I don't think that's a good idea. Rather than just saying that, he says, Prentice, uh, no offense. And, and you have to know that anytime someone starts off a sentence with no offense, you have to know it's going to be really offensive. And so he, he often will say, Prentice, no offense, but that's a dumb idea. Prentice, no offense, but that's terrible. Prentice, no offense, but do not do it. And, and yet, as abrasive as it is, I trust him and I listen oftentimes. I mean, can you imagine if I sat down and, and I, you know, hypothetically, I sat down with a group of friends and I said, you know what, I have a vision. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to move to, you know, Kent. It's already a terrible idea. Sorry, no, just kidding. Just, just kidding. I'm going to move, and I'm going to, my goal for 2018 is to try out for the Seattle Seahawks. 
That's what I'm going to do. I think my friends would be a terrible friends if they said, yes, quit your job, move, get rid of everything you got, and just train full-time to be a Seattle Seahawk. I hope they would say, no offense, but that's a terrible idea. Unless you're trying not to be a kicker for the Seahawks, then I have a legitimate chance. I love my Seahawks. I'm... We need good friends to encourage us when we need encouragement, to push us along, to walk alongside us, and to tell us when we're off track, when we don't think that we're aligned with what God is doing. See, Nathan heard from God. God Nathan wasn't just like, that's a bad idea, don't do it. Nathan heard from it. Do you have people that will pray for you? Do you have people that will pray alongside you? I mean, you should have friends that are not afraid to speak truth into your life. Here's a real-life example. I, for those of you, uh, you guys know me, I, I moved in, in the beginning of November to a brand-new neighborhood, uh, to, a, to a house. Uh, you know, I'm getting all of this new furniture, and I'm settling in. And a week into moving into this new house, or new house for me, a new neighborhood, uh, I decided to get a puppy. And, of course, remember, vision alone can be blinding, but vision with community can be eye-opening. I didn't have the community that I needed at the time because I thought that was a great idea. New house? New puppy? Why? Of course, it goes together. And I thought it was a fantastic idea until I realized, quickly realized, it wasn't a great idea. And I remember thinking, I, I did go to a few friends, and, and I said, man, I... This was, you know, I, this was a terrible idea. I mean, I love my house. I love my dog. The timing I don't love. I mean, yesterday I was going over my sermon at the same time stopping my puppy from eating the wall. Like, why do dogs eat walls? That's weird. And I was like, okay, okay I'm juggling all these things. And I remember my friend saying, I could have told you that was a terrible idea. And I'm like, why didn't you? Several, <laughs> why didn't you tell me? Vision alone can be very blindsiding. But when you include community, when you include friends, people that you trust, that can help you, they need, you need them. And lastly, I'll just say this. Vision requires courage. Chapter 28, David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Again, this is the same words that God gave to Joshua as Joshua was called to go to the promised land. When again, Moses had the vision of saying, no, I'm going to lead my people to the promised land. And yet God had different ideas, very different ideas. <clears throat> and he said, Joshua, you're going to go. And God said, Joshua, again, these same words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Can I ask you to think about something right now? I'm going to invite the worship team back up uh, as, as an opportunity for us to respond. And, and the question is this. What's your vision for 2018? And, and yes, we know that we need courage. We need a plan. We need accountability. But, but I want to end with the question, do you have the courage to follow this vision 
that you believe God has planted in you. And so maybe we want to take an opportunity to do a little bit of an inventory or to pray, God, give me vision. May or may not happen right now. May happen in the next few days, few weeks, maybe at the end of the year. But may our prayers be, God, for 2018, give give me vision, give me purpose for my life, for what I want it to look like, for what you want it to look like, really. And give me the courage to get me there. For some of us, we have vision. And I certainly believe that it's vision that God has implanted in you. And yet we are driven by fear. We're driven by fear. But God has given you that vision to push, to make a world a better place, to make you, your family, your friends, better people. God has given you vision where you cling tight to it, where you have courage to pursue it. Would you have trust and hope that God will prevail and give you strength, all the strength and more that you need? May 2018 be a year of vision and purpose for your life. Let me pray. God, thank you so much that you speak to us. You give us vision. Help us to hear it clearly that that would not be from our own selves, but it'd be from you. Give us the courage to pursue it. Surround us with people that will support us and love and truth. And we'll thank you for it. In your name we pray, amen.